This is a Podfire production. This podcast may include explicit themes or swearing and may not be suitable for children. The world is full of amazing people, and once a week, I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum, and this is Awesome Humans. Being the bloke I am, I'm the only time I ever hear or think about my eyebrows is when my amazing wife has a crack at me because I forget to get them trimmed when I'm at the barber shop. My barber knows now that the most important thing is to keep the missus happy, so she makes sure my brows are the first thing that she does. Today I'm having a conversation that I never thought I would ever be having, but here we go. In today's Awesome Humans episode, I'm joined by lash and brow enthusiast Otto Mitter. Otto is the Managing Director of Elibana, teaching beauty therapists, enthusiasts, sorry, across 50 countries, the art of lash and brows. Otto was introduced to the beauty world by his mother. Since then, Otto discovered he has a passion and continued to study with the makeup industry. Today, Otto resides on the sunny Gold Coast, teaching and educating those within the beauty industry, as he's won the Educator of the Year Award in 2017 for the Australian Beauty Industry Award and 2018 Australian Associates of Lash and Artists Globally. I'm really excited about today's episode. Welcome, Otto. Thanks for having me. How's things, all right? Things are great. You know, it's good to get out and about again. Uh, everyone is out and about over the weekend uh, due to the, you know, global circumstances that we're in at the moment. But, hey, everyone is out in full effect in Australia. I think we're all feeling very healthy at the moment. And, uh, yeah, it's great. It's been a bit of a reboot, hasn't it? That's, it has been a reboot. It's been really a interesting. reset, yeah, for, for a lot of us. And, uh, you know, especially in our industry as well, which we'll probably go into in a bit with the beauty industry, that was, you know, quite affected with everything that's been going on. Uh, But, you know, everybody is uh, back in full force now. Salons are open again and, you know, there's all the precautions we have to take. Very serious precautions, um, you know, and you have to have a COVID action plan, all that sort of thing. There's a lot of businesses. What's your thoughts on it? Like, it's really interesting. So this is our um, third episode in the new series of Awesome Humans. We're back in the yep. studio. Yep. We did a series from home, which was the COVID-19 edition, right? Yep. But I was so, so excited to have you in the studio because yeah. it's so much better when you can actually physically talk to someone. Oh, of course. Do you have an opinion, and I'm happy you're good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, on this whole COVID-19, I'm going to call it bullshit because to me it's just been a massive reaction. I know a lot of people have died and yes, there is a bad virus and all that sort of stuff, but the way it's destroyed the beauty industry, the gym industry, all these different industries, I think we won't see the end effect of that for a long time. And it's really good to get experts in the field in those particular industries to see how hard it was actually hit. Yeah, well, I was traveling overseas actually at the time, just before COVID hit all of us globally in a big way. I uh, travelled to Amsterdam. I was a judge there in the Lash World Cup, uh, and we the sponsored Lash. a team. Hang on, yeah. no, you can't just you can't <laughs> skip over that. The Lash World Cup. The Lash World Cup. Yeah, it's what an is event. the Lash World Cup? Well, it's an event that happens in Amsterdam every two years, and it's just like the football World Cup that happens, you know, every two years. Uh, this. Um, Competition happens in Amsterdam and all these teams from around the world come together and they compete in eyelash extensions uh, applications. So there's all these different types of applications you can do. It's, you know, when I do tell people about it, they think, what? A Lash World Cup? Does that really exist? And exactly the question you're asking. Is there not only one way to do that? Like, and this is me as a, I'm probably the biggest novice you've ever met in this space, but... 
What are the, what's the judging criteria at the Lash World Cup? Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, there's a few different categories that we have in the Lash World Cup. So there's different types of applications that you can do with eyelash extensions. And uh, one is called classic application, which is when you're applying a fake or semi-permanent eyelash extension, which is made out of polybutylene terephthalate. It's a special uh, plastic, basically, that we use, but it feels very natural on your natural eyelashes. So that's placed on with a small amount of adhesive. And uh, basically, the lash technician will apply these lashes all the way across your natural eyelash line. Individually? And, yeah, individually wow. and extend your natural eyelashes. And, and women absolutely love this. I'm sure there's a few guys out there <laughs> that yeah. might love it too. <laughs> the guys definitely love it on the women. Yeah. And um, so, you know, there's, there's that kind of technique. And then there's a technique called Russian volume. And volume means you're applying more eyelash extensions across the lash line. So it's more of a full, fluffy, dramatic look with the eyelash extensions. Then you have a thing called lash lift, which is something that I do a lot of work with. And that is a, it's a chemical process that we use on the natural eyelashes to curl or lift the natural eyelashes, which lasts six to eight, even 12 weeks. Uh, and it's very popular around the world because it doesn't feel like you're wearing anything. So is that like so, chemical straining of the hair? It kind of is, uh -huh. yeah, but we use different tools to get a certain effect. And it really does make a difference to your natural eyelashes. And because it doesn't feel like you're wearing anything, it's very popular. And it's also very fast to apply it. So that's, you know, another category they have in the Lash World Cup. Uh, you know, and then Fantasy Lash, which is uh, people dressing up and they use a lot of makeup and they have a theme. And this, uh, this year it was a city theme. And uh, you had to pick a, a city, for example, Australia, you know, Sydney in yep. Australia, and you might do a model that has, uh, you know, a Sydney Opera House kind of headpiece or something and, uh, you know, lashes and a big dress and, and whatnot. And they have a very big parade there and it's like a carnival style event and it's huge. And, you know, so, so, so talk me through this, right? I'm, I, I love sport. I love to gamble. Can I gamble yep. on the Lash World Cup? I don't think so. It's not on the that tab should be yet. something they need to be picking <laughs> it's up. It's not on sports bet at this point. <laughs> but is there different categories? Like you've got the categories, but do they go through like a round robin or is it just a – Okay, yeah. here's a category, and then you pick a winner of that category. How's that actually? Well, work? yeah. So there is different categories, and then there's judges that uh, judge each category. Uh, basically, you know, you have this room set up with say about eighty beds in there, and all these lash technicians competing, working on their models at the same time during these different categories. So is there like a time limit, like a master chef yes. time limit? Yes, exactly. So you might have two hours or two and a half hours to complete the application on the model. And then at the end of that application, your model then goes to the judging area and, you know, they're then critiqued on the applications. You know, was it a – how much glue did you use? Was it a nice symmetrical set with the lashes? Did it look even? Uh, did you place the lashes on correctly? You know, there's a That's lot amazing. of little things that they look at Because it's an art, judging. isn't it? Like it if really you think is. how skinny an eyelash is and then obviously you've got to attach something to it so it still looks the same. That's yeah. a real art and a real skill. Yeah, you have to have great eyesight or, you know, wear glasses because you're dealing with lashes and they're like millimetres in length and, and you have to attach it 
precisely because if you don't, you can actually damage the natural eyelash of your client, which causes all sorts of problems that you don't want. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of training that's involved, which is what I, I do and our company does and a lot of companies out there. But uh, yeah, you have to really make sure you're applying it carefully so that you don't damage the natural eyelashes of your client. And that's all part of this competition criteria as well. They, you know, make sure that it's perfectly attached and, and when it is perfectly attached you know it, it lasts longer the client's happier you know it's safer you don't have damage to the natural lashes you know it looks better all those sorts of things so that's why it's yeah really important and uh, lash extensions technicians take a lot of pride that's in amazing. their work yeah and, and who won what country won uh this year it was vietnam actually and then i think sweden came second and third was uh, I think it might have been Poland. Um, Australia, we came, oh, I'm not sure, maybe sixth or seventh. So we went too far off, which I think was a really good effort because it was the first year that we entered. Now, I've been a judge there twice now. So the first time was, uh, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, then this year. And uh, when I judged there the first time, I, I just said, oh, we have to put a team together from Australia. Yeah, Australia sure. has to be part of this. So my company and a, another company, a friend's company of mine, um, we sponsored a team from Australia. So we took four lash artists over there and uh, we had the time of our lives. It was just so much fun. This is kind of going back to the start of the story we were talking about. And yeah, we, we were heading over to Amsterdam and this is before COVID all sort of happened. And there was a few people wearing masks and those sorts of things, but it hadn't really hit yeah. too hard at that point. Uh, but we all traveled over there. We took some masks as a precaution and lash extensions technicians all wear masks anyway. And okay. we've got these really cool masks. So we kind of look like ninjas. <laughs> and uh, we were cruising through Dubai airport and then, you know, from there over to Amsterdam. Uh, but it was good. But I tell you what, it was a great, great trip. We took everyone business class and had a really good time. And yeah, worked in Amsterdam doing the Lash World Cup. While I was there, I did a big class uh, called the Elevation or Elibana Collective. I had 60 students there that wow. I taught in this class. And uh, they're all people that use my products, but I did a very special, uh, like a seminar workshop yep. for them, introducing some new products and things that we're going to be doing this year. But, you know, that was great. Then went through Spain. I was working in Spain, uh, training our new distributors there in eyelash extensions, lash lift, doing classes there as well. Up to Switzerland. Uh, I produced products in Switzerland as well in a factory there. Uh, so I was doing some work there, but that's when COVID was really starting to hit. And then I left and literally got back into Australia and it was like the gates closed and they said, Just that's it, here. no one's flying out. And I do a lot of traveling overseas yeah, for yeah. my job. And, and uh, so I've been sort of homebound really literally <laughs> over the, uh, you know, the last couple of months. But yeah, look, it's been crazy the way it has hit the industry. Uh, but, uh, you know, well, a lot of salons had to shut down. I was going to say, and, do you think there'll be many, well, do, any idea on sort of the numbers of people that don't make it? It's hard to say. I mean, I've seen quite a few salons shut down and they've said for they're good. closing for good. But yeah. but on the other hand, there is a lot that have just been able to ride through and, you know, doing what they can. And uh, now salons have just opened up over the weekend yeah. in uh, Queensland. They would have smashed. And they did. <laughs> you know, a lot of people did. And, and we've been seeing it online that people are just 
so keen to go and get their lashes done. Like, cause they're, and, and my, let's face my it. My wife if, was there. She was first yeah. in life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we've got to wear masks, you still got to see people's oh, eyes and go. brows. Hey. So, you know, we've got something going for us there, which is good. So with that then, the bit I don't understand, like is the way that the, the government did it is literally bang, shut, bang, shut, bang, shut. But then they left some things open. And, like, yeah. they let hairdressers open. Yeah. I don't understand what the difference is between someone doing their eyebrows. Like my wife was talking about this with a nail. She gets her nails done, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, the nail technicians, as far as we are away from pretty much, like, they're a good metre and a half away. Your hands are out. Yep. Um, but they let hairdressers, we're just standing right next to you and breathing on you. Exactly. I never, oh, no. I, I never understood that because that means that the rest of if that hadn't happened, your industry pretty much would have survived through that whole thing. I know, I know. It was a difficult one. I, I was looking at that myself and, and they said, you know, barbers and, and hair salons can stay open, but beauty salons have to close. And a lot of beauty salons have very strict hygiene procedures yeah, as it is because you have to. Uh, but, yeah, I went and got my hair done at a, at a local salon and I have to admit when I was sitting there, <laughs> the lady that was cutting my hair cracked a joke or something with the other lady she was working with and she laughed and just laughed right over the top oh. of my face and I could <laughs> smell what she had for <laughs> breakfast that morning and I was kind of like, oh, well, if I don't have COVID and you have it, maybe <laughs> uh, I have now, it now. Now I do. But, uh, Thanks for know. sharing, darling. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, look, it, it is what it is. I mean, uh, I, I guess the government had to make that decision. It's a tough decision. They can't please everybody, but it's good that they're open again now. It is, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's go back to the very, very start. Okay, when, when, where, where were you born? Where are you from? Australian Capital Territory. Yes. Don't tell anyone that. Though. Oh, okay. I love Canberra. We'll, we'll just keep that a secret, can we? <laughs> Oops. Uh, no, yeah, look, I, I was born there and uh, lived there for a few years uh, in my younger years doing my early primary school years. My mother had a big beauty salon. One, it was like a health slimming clinic and it was one of the first of its kind in Canberra. And, uh, you know, so I did primary school there and then I would, uh, after school, I think in grade two, I was walking home from school because she was so busy at work. But my school was just down the road from her work. And um, so, you know, I spent a lot of time coming back and uh, spending time hanging out. Yeah, she had a hair salon in there and uh, a beauty school and, and big slimming and, you know, uh, it had a big spa area and there was there was nothing like that at the time. Do you remember what it was called? It was called Electro Trim. Electro which Trim. Electro Trim, yeah. She was on the Electro thing happening back in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, look, it was a very successful company and business at the time, but they um, decided they wanted a change and, and, you know, Canberra's cold at the best of times. I mean, it gets hot for a little bit during the year in summer, but it gets cold. <laughs> and uh, so they did a few trips up to the Gold Coast. They used to come up here for holidays and they just fell in love with the place and they said, what What about opening up a business there? So, you know, they took the plunge, came up, opened up up here. We moved up. and uh, How old did, were you then? Uh, I would have been around eight. Okay, yeah. so you're still so, in primary school. Yeah, still in primary school, seven or eight. Uh, we came up to the Gold Coast and, and pretty much stayed here. Went went down to Canberra again for a little while, uh, but not long, maybe a year or two. And then we came back up, but we've been in the Gold Coast pretty much ever since. So do you remember your days back pre-seven? Do you remember the days in Canberra? Yeah, I do. I like yeah, really what, what, do. What, How far back can you go? What's your first ever memory? Oh, well, I 
I can remember a lot of things about, you know, where I lived. It was in an area in Torrens and, uh, you know, I remember going to school, you know, doing my first days at school, dad dropping me off, me sort of not too happy about going. And, and what did dad uh, do back then? <laughs> uh, my dad was an electrician, but he, um, you know, he was a bit of an entrepreneur, a bit of an investor, yep. that sort of thing. And uh, look, my mother and father split when I was pretty young, when I was about four or five. So I remember that all sort of happening. And then mum met my, my stepfather and, uh, you know, she sort of went on and, 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 uh, and that's how we moved up to the Gold Coast. So you stayed with mum? Yeah, stayed with mum, moved up to the Gold Coast. My father ended up moving to the Gold Coast later on in life, uh, in my teens, early teens, uh, which was nice. But, so you um, stayed in contact with that during that yeah, time? Yeah, stayed in contact with him. But, I'd, you know, I'd be flying down and, uh, you know, just on school holidays. I'd yeah. fly down for a week, hang out with dad. So I didn't see him all that much when I was growing up. Uh, Mum, you know, was very busy, you know, running so the business. So what business did she start up in? What did she start yeah. up in? Yeah, well, she, she started a beauty salon and a beauty school up so on the Coast. So similar to what she had down there. Yeah, she did the same thing up here. She had a few different businesses. They had a catering business and a few things like that. But beauty was a big part of her life. She wrote the original Diploma of Beauty Therapy, the first government oh, wow. accredited course in Australia. So she did that and she wrote the Advanced Diploma of Health Science and Aesthetics. That was the first one that could articulate into a university degree. So she was a bit of a pioneer in the beauty industry, uh, president of some associations, things like this in the beauty industry. And um, I mean, that's how I really... So was it a got, given that you were going to follow in those footsteps? You know, it just, it wasn't at the time, but I guess... It is. It is what it is. So when you were at school then, which school did you go to on the coast when you first come up? Uh, Marymount. Marymount, okay. Yeah, I went to Marymount first. I did primary there, then a bit of high school there. But look, to be honest, I was a bit of a rat bag in yeah. school. In the end, high school, I, I, I didn't love it, you know, and I, I did tour around to a few different high schools. I went to Emmanuel College. It didn't sort of work out well there, and then I went to Nudgee. College okay. in Brisbane, which yeah. is a boarding school. Yeah. Uh, my parents kind of shipped me off there for a year because I think they just went, uh, <laughs> yeah, get this kid out of here kind of thing. And you were in a loving only way, child? of course. Only child or you have siblings? Yeah, only, only child. I do have two uh, stepbrothers through marriage. Mm -hmm. I didn't spend much time with them, though, growing up. So, yeah, I was an only child. So rat bag only child. They had got yeah. sent away to boarding school. <laughs> that's, that's a good story yeah, now, though, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> well, that's it. That's how these things kind of roll sometimes. And then during that time, like, did you finish year 12? No, I didn't. What, what year did you leave? Year, uh, year 11. Mm -hmm. uh, and it would, would have been about nearly at the end of year 11. But I What was just, the plan? Look, I just didn't like school. I, I was a bit of a, uh, you know, I, I just didn't like school, to put it, you know, short. And when I left school, you know, I was at a lot of crossroads. I was probably hanging out with not the best people at the time either and making some poor decisions here and there. But mum was just doing her best to try and guide me and yeah. give me, you know, options. I went and studied. I went to hospitality college and, you know, did that for a while. And then um, mum owned the beauty school. So she kind of said, well, you know, you could come here and you could learn 
something if you want. And what about makeup, makeup artistry? You're, you're creative. I did have a bit of a creative side. And she said, you know, what do you think of that? And I said, yeah, well, I wouldn't mind getting into special effects makeup for film. So cool. I'll, I'll come and I'll, I'll learn that at the school. So I did that, did my um, cert four in makeup and, uh, you know, did some advanced uh, special effects makeup modules and things like that. And uh, then I did a few weddings and a few photo shoots and I just went, I hate this. I actually can't do this. I think I got scared off. I think it was like wedding, wedding photographers are the same. Once you start, hey, let's not do that. There's a couple of bridezillas there. Then I went, Whoo, I don't know if I can deal with this, you know, and I was 18 at the time. So I kind of, I left and I, I started a career in music. Okay. Funnily enough, I, I always enjoyed music. I learned piano. I started piano at a pretty young age because mum used to play piano as well. So I had a few lessons and then I, I basically got into the music game and I, I just, I think someone left a bass guitar at my house that I was living in at the time and I just picked the thing up and just started playing on it. And then the ne next thing I knew I'd started a band with these guys and, <laughs> you know, we were off and running and the band was, it was called the Julian Date. Um, Why? Uh, well, it was a, a we were struggling to find an original name. Yeah, as as you probably do in the band industry or music industry, it's hard to come up with a new name that's different. And uh, our guitarist, my best mate at the time, he uh, said, "What do you think of this name? The Julian date it, it uh, revolves around the Gregorian calendar, and it's an ever evolving number. And you know, it had a, it had a kind of cool meaning to it. So we kind of just went with that." And uh, the band did really well. We won the Queensland Rock Awards. And next thing, we were playing gigs everywhere, Vans Warp Tour, you know, doing lots of tours up the east coast of Australia and, uh, you know, doing quite well, getting a bit of Triple J airplay. And, you know, things were sort of moving along. Uh, but, you know, my best mate at the time um, who was in the band, he died in a car accident. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was pretty heavy. Um, and How old were you? Uh, 22 at the time and mm. he was 22 as well and he was you know destined for success he was just one of these guys anything he touched turned to gold he was really good looking charismatic smart he had a high he had an op of three or two or something and he was just so cool at the time he was working in um film and tv and uh you know he was working on on a movie set or something in northern New South Wales at the time, came back and fell asleep at the wheel, unfortunately. So that was quite devastating. Yeah. And the band kind of fell apart a little bit more after that. You know, it was just a, a lot of things happening and a, a lot of people uh, sort of changing their views on things. But at, at around that time, um, I had my first son as well when I was 22. And he came into the world and I think I was at this point where I was going down a bit of a path that, might not have been the best direction to go, but when he came in, it just changed my life completely because my father wasn't in my life that much. And I, I always said that, you know, if I have a son or, you know, a daughter, I'm going to make sure I'm in their life as much as possible, be a good dad. So I, I had to, um, you know, just kind of put on the responsibility hat basically. Pull your big and just, boy pants yeah, up. Yeah, put the big boy <laughs> pants up. And, uh, yeah, that changed my life completely from that moment on. So then I took music a lot more seriously. You know, I was playing in bands, but I was doing corporate shows and, you know, really starting to earn an income. Um, 
I formed another band with some other guys. We signed a deal with EMI. What was that band called? That was called Bowser and uh, Quirk Shop. And we did a lot of shows and, and tours and, you know, and, and this deal that we signed was quite a good deal at the time. So during um, this time, when, you, when you're in these bands and things, are you leading them? Are you part of them? Are you sort of, did you have that entrepreneurial spirit then? Yeah, funnily enough, I think I did. I mean, it's hard when you're in a band because you do have uh, a lot of people, a lot of minds, creative minds working together for the the great cause. And, uh, you know, but everyone does have their best attributes. And mine definitely was more from a management role and I was the bass player. I mean, I'd write songs. But generally, you know, I was helping to arrange the tours or, you know, booking shows, um, helping to organise rehearsals and, you know, doing a lot of things like that. And, uh, yeah, look, definitely over the years I, I started doing a lot more management in the music sort of side of things there too. And so your baby's growing up, his old man's a musician. Yeah. And uh, and when, when did you sort of get to the point where you think, okay, well, music, are you still doing two jobs here or you still got music is now the... Music, the main thing. Yeah, music was the main thing. And I, I was doing that for a while, but, geez, that was getting tough. Yeah. You know, it really was. So having a, a young one, I, I was like, I, I need more money at the moment because, you know, it just it was just hard. So I uh, worked in my parents' company. They had another little company that they started, which was the beginnings of what I'm running today. Um and they had a good little setup. It was a good little business where they were sort of importing and manufacturing a few little things to do with eyelashes and uh, brows. We were doing tinting products. We had this really nice tinting product that we imported from Switzerland. And my stepfather started that and he, you know, got a good little following happening uh, with that particular business. So I started working with that for a while and, um, you know, that that was good, but then I, I ended up leaving again, to be honest, because I thought, no, I really want to follow my music career. So I went back into the music world, but then I started setting up events and working with event management companies and, and doing those kinds of things for a while. But that also became hard. After a while, I was just hitting a wall again with that. And then I kind of just, you know, said, maybe I'll take it serious in the beauty realm. Maybe I can have a go at this. And uh, so, was there something that clicked? Was it? The, do you remember? Was it one day, or was it just a progressive thing? Well, it was kind of a progressive thing, but I went back to my parents' company and I, I said, you, you know, oh, actually, this is what happened. My my stepfather got really sick. Uh, unfortunately, he got this very um, rare form of epilepsy, oh, and wow. he hit the deck basically one weekend. And we were about to—they were about to do a show in Sydney, the big hair show down there. And they had all this stuff organised. And and my mum basically said, "Look, if if you're not busy right at this point, can you come and help us? Because we've, you know, everything's hit the fan basically." So I jumped in to help them. And then from that moment, they kind of said, "Look, you know." this could be an opportunity for you to do something. You know, you could really build on this. You know, you've got the um, the drive, you know, or the opportunity here to do something amazing and, and work in this industry if you want. And uh, I guess I, I just at the time, you know, it just felt right. So I, I started having a go at it and taking an interest in it. And that's when I started really studying the art of, eyelash extensions, lash and brow um, 
treatments and beauty treatments. I did a lot more studies with that. I started studying with a lot of lash masters, we call them, so international educators that specialise in the art of how to apply eyelash extensions and and brow shaping. And uh, there was even brow extensions <laughs> at one point. A and brow <laughs> extension? Wow. It's not popular anymore. <laughs> it didn't really last. But, uh, you know, there's. There, I just went on this journey then to really But was really that journey because you enjoyed it or because you think, oh, actually, there's a really good business opportunity here? Well, I think there was a bit of both because I sort of worked out that I could do it and yeah. it was something that I was good at doing. So that was the starting point. And then I just started getting all this, I don't know, I, I network a lot in what I do. That's been a big part of my growth. And people were just kind of wondering, like, who is this guy from Australia doing eyelashes? You know, because <laughs> at the time there really wasn't many guys doing it. Because uh, this is going back, you know, I mean, 10 years or so now. You know, I really started my journey back then. Uh, but over the last or oh, 10 years, you know, I've really, So really, 10 really years, pushed. we're looking at Facebook and that's just starting now, mm. isn't it? So the, the online social media side of things is just starting to begin. That's exactly it. And that was a huge part of our success. I mean, I remember when my uh, parents' company, they, they just built their first website. You know, the websites were just yeah. coming in. So you've got to have a website. And everyone was like, oh, website, okay, okay. So, you know, that's how long. We're, the, the company's been going for 25 years this year. Oh, wow, so congratulations. A, yeah, it's a huge achievement. Thank you. And um, But, you know, it was, it was predominantly a business that was just based in Australia to supply, you know, some wholesalers in Australia. Yep. When I came on board, I worked hard and then worked out a deal to buy into the company and started taking things really seriously on my own accord. And then I, I said, I, I'm going to start exporting. I'm going to start exporting products because social media came on board, yeah. right? Social media, the internet, people were reaching out to us via Facebook and YouTube and starting to ask us uh, about our products that we had here in Australia. And, um, you know, the cost to produce products here is quite expensive and so that was always something difficult to navigate. It was a bit of a challenge, but, you know, we managed to tweak a few things and find a, a price that was workable. And uh, the other thing, you know, is you've got to have a really good product that works well. And our product is is great. You know, we spent a lot of time getting it right. And, and our lash extensions products are great, but the lash lifting and tinting products are really, really good products. And uh, as soon as people started trying them, you know, they, they just went, wow, the results really work. And it kind of just started growing from there. No pun intended. And mm. <laughs> <laughs> so during this time, obviously, you've got your little fella. Um, he's now obviously getting older. Yeah. And um, and would you sort of give him some advice to go into this industry? <laughs> well, he's 21 this year uh, in October, and now I've got another little fella. He's 10 yeah. with my wife uh, now, uh, Zoe, who helps me run the company. With the, with the uh, with Ethan, my firstborn, he is gone into the music world. Oh. So he's a music producer. <laughs> so he got that itch, and he is really talented. He's a hip-hop producer. He's studying at the moment music production, and 
Yeah, he makes some great music. He is really on that path. He's very determined. So you now that. living your music life through him? <laughs> I'm trying to stay out of that. <laughs> I think uh, I don't want to be the dad going, "Do this, do that. You should do this." When I was a boy, yeah, we did exactly, this. Yeah. I mean, there's always a little bit of that, but um, he. So the music industry's yeah. hard. It's a very it's hard a industry. Yeah. Is there where when he first come to you and said, "Hey, Dad, I'm going to go in the music industry." And obviously you encourage your children. I've got four of them. I encourage them every day. <laughs> but there's certain things I'd sit there and go, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, are you sure? Did, did you have that conversation? Do you remember that? Yeah, absolutely. But I've been very encouraging because, I mean, I love music. I'm very passionate about it. So I didn't want to crush his dreams at oh, all. Of I've just said, you know, sure, it, this is what you need to do if you're going to do this because time moves real quick. You need to be, you know, getting your, your songs together, your uh, bio, you know, your videos, everything. And you've it's got a bit to push, different now too, push, isn't it, with push. socials and that sort of stuff? Yeah. I mean, you can do a lot more yourself now compared to what, I could at the start and uh, yeah, so he's getting there and, uh, you know, I, I really hope he just makes the most of this time uh, because, you know, he's 21 this year and uh, before you know it, you're 24, you're 25, yeah. you're 30, you know, it just goes so fast, uh, you know, but uh, things tend to happen quite fast as well. Once you have everything ready, yeah, of course. sometimes bang, it just all launches and, and you jump into it from there, but... So you yeah. you mentioned your wife and your other child. How did you meet your wife? She came along to a gig of mine. <laughs> I was playing in uh, Surface. But actually, the, the way we met is I used to work with her brother. Okay. So we were in the event business and I was, you know, setting up events with him and then uh, my band was playing a gig one night and he's – he was like, oh, I'm hanging out with my sister. We're going to come down and watch you guys play. She came down. We hung out and literally, you know, we're like the best of friends. My my wife, Zoe, you know, and myself, we, we really are like the best of friends. We just hit it off. Yeah, straight away. You know, straight away, just laughing and, and you know, we've got really great chemistry and uh, we just get each other. And, and so, you know, we formed a really good friendship, but it wasn't long before we were... It was on, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Look, she uh, she was working in accounting and in the jewelry industry and that sort of stuff. But there was an opportunity in my company where we needed someone to come in and help with accounts. So she joined, and she's just got a natural flair of you know being good at what she does. She's great at all things beauty and understanding lashes and brows and. So she studied with me a lot over the years and now she's the general manager of my company because she just does a brilliant job and uh, she helps me writing all the educational content, the manuals, the training programs. You know, she's my rock basically, my voice of reason. I'll bounce a lot <laughs> of things off her. I'm the creative kind of, I'm going to go do this. And she's going to go, but what happens if you do this? And, and But if you do that, have you thought about this? And, uh, you know, so she definitely is, um, you know, a great sounding board for me uh, as we move forward. But it's been a great partnership and, you know, she's right at the helm now with me in this company and now we're supplying 60 countries around the world oh, with our that. products from Australia. <laughs> so it's, it's been an incredible been journey. Uh, it is coming up to, I think, 13 <laughs> years, I believe, now. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, and, 2008. And did you get down on one knee? Oh, you know I did. Did you? Was it a yeah. good one? 
Come yeah, on. It, was, it was pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I think it was a solid effort. Tell she, us the proposal story. Look, it, I guess it was pretty straightforward, but I did, uh, you know, we went to the Sheraton Mirage. I hired out this room there. I, I was saying to her, I'm going to take you out for a nice dinner. Um, I like the Sheraton Mirage because it's got this beautiful pool and garden area outside. And when you're kind of walking around at night, it's just really nice. They've got these... You know, they had the lanterns, the fire lanterns going, all that sort of stuff. And basically I just had this room all set up with candles everywhere in there and the champagne and the roses and the all that jazz. Go, <laughs> and hey? It was quite funny though because we were sitting there at dinner or having drinks and I was and because I had this room set up, I had to run back to the room to light all the candles, <laughs> right? I couldn't just leave candles yeah, going course, for yeah. like hours <laughs> because I might burn down the room. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a safety hazard. Uh, so I, uh, you know, I was like, oh, I'm just going to run to the bathroom for a second. And then I'm like bolting down to this room so I can light all the candles and everything. And they're running back. And then she's like, are you all right? Is everything? You were in the bathroom for quite a while there. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, I'm all good. Uh, you know, so yeah. You Did can you have imagine. any idea? I think she might have had oh, an idea. Oh, they always do. I think, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I think, I think she might have had a good idea of what was going on. But she really enjoyed it, you know, and uh, it was special for us. And so here we it, are 13 years later and it's here all. Here we are 13 years later. Oh, and, and you're still in the good books. I'm still in the good books. Oh, yeah, good. probably better than ever, I think, at the moment. that's I don't know how I manage that, <laughs> but I'm working on it. It is a work in progress every day. So here's a question for you. You're 10-year-old? Son? Ten, yes. What's he think dad does? Well, he thinks dad is uh, the Lash Lord. The Lash my, Lord? Yeah, that's my nickname. You gave yourself that title, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I think a friend of mine gave me that title, but I kind of ran with it. It was quite I love funny. It. That's good. But uh, yeah, he's like, you're Mr. Elibana Lash Lift, you know. Um, that's, you know, what I'm known around the world as in, in the eyelash yeah. and beauty industry. And, it, you know, he knows we're heavily involved in that industry now and he comes into our warehouse, our factory, and, you know, he's even helped us with production here and there, building products, and, you know, he, he knows what we do and he hears, excuse me, all the stories, uh, you know, all the, the hardships and all the triumphs. Yeah, he's right there. Yeah, we, um, well, as I say, I've got four kids. My youngest is 11, 11 year old little fella, and he just knows that we do entrepreneurial stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're in IT and stuff like that. And it's actually, it's really good because we're the same. We have open, frank conversations in front of all of our kids. They know exactly what's going on, and times are tough, times are good. Yep. I think it's really good for them to learn during that process because. When they're older and they can impart their knowledge onto others, it's something that uh, I think is really, really important. So yeah, yeah. Life experience Indeed. is one of the best ways to learn anything. And so. did you uh, did you all sort of learn a lot more about each other since you've been locked away in a house together for <laughs> a couple of months? <laughs> we sure have. <laughs> we love each other so much. Uh, yeah, look, Isn't it amazing, though? Like, yeah. I, I'm home every day. I see my family all the time. I travel a fair bit like you do. And so when I'm home, I'm home. I make sure... And then during that whole period, like, you don't get out. <laughs> it's like you're in this house. It was yeah. a really interesting experience from, uh, I think, everyone in the world. So a lot of happy happy people today because all the kids have gone back to school. Sure is. Uh, Zoe is just, she's been doing the homeschooling thing and trying to work, doing her job from home. And I've had some very pressing matters lately that I, I've had to go into work for. So she kind of took on the role of the teacher at home and... Yeah, it, it, but you know we've we've been um, 
hanging out a lot more at home. And yeah, because it, it's kind of been good in a way where we've got to spend some great quality time together. And uh, even though we've been working from home or whatever, we've still been there in each other's company because, you know, we get really busy at our factory in our warehouse and, and it's not off, not uncommon, I should say, to be there, you know, until it's dark, you yeah. know, every day and you're coming home and you only see your kids when it's like six o'clock and then you have dinner and then that's it and then you get up early and it's all on again. And I think it was good for everyone to do that, mate. I think there's yeah. a lot of people learnt a lot about their families and a lot about their uh, the way they live and I think a lot of people will slow down now as well. Yeah, just that's because right. Of that. Yeah, look, it's been a big reset. And uh, I guess I'm grateful to be able to have that time to reconnect with the family and get ready for, you know, the next chapter, really, that's coming along. And you say you travel a lot. Do you travel on your own a lot or do you, are you usually with, with your wife or how does that work? I try to bring my wife as much as possible, but it's hard with uh, our running, son. running the business as well and the kids. Yeah, and... you know, and... Uh, it's just hard when the two of us leave him at home and we have to rely on grandma and, um, you, you know, it, it's difficult, you know, to be able to do that. He does have a condition which is uh, called PKU and it's a metabolic condition and he's fine. There's no issue, but he has to have a very strict diet. So to, to remain healthy all the time, if he doesn't stay on this diet, it's a low protein diet. If he doesn't stay on it, he can get... Uh, toxins that build up in his brain. Oh, wow. So it's pretty heavy. What's PKU? Uh, phenylketonuria, it's a metabolic condition where the body um, can't break down protein okay. as as well as what you and I might yeah. be able to. So he has to have a low-protein diet and he has to just maintain that. And he so has, it's a high-carb diet? No, not necessarily. No, it's... Uh, you know, it's uh, just low protein, so that's like no meat. It's uh, you know hardly any dairy or so like a know. vegan type diet. It's like isn't a it? vegan type diet, but even beans and things like that, you got to be careful with. So oh, you can wow. have fruit and veg, but not real high protein um, vegetables. But he he can have it, but we've got to measure it and yeah, count it each day. So every meal that he has. During the day, we know exactly how much protein he's having throughout that day and he's got a limit and, you know, we've managed it so well now, it is just a normal part of life. Yeah. We don't even know. You, would, you wouldn't you would know any different. He, he is just – he can eat some great things now. We've been able to get this new medication that just came out recently, which has changed a few things, which has increased his levels or his tolerance each day, oh, which good. has been really, really yeah. good. And um, so – that's fantastic. But, you know, because he, you know, he has some needs that we, are, you know, are sensitive about and we're, you know, wanting to watch him. It's, it's hard, hard for the two of us to yeah. leave, right? Uh, he, grandma's been amazing. She helps and, uh, you know, I, I, my parents, everyone, you know, around us helps so much to support us with that. But when I can bring Zoe on the road with me, I definitely do it because, uh, it, you know, it's fantastic to have that opportunity. But there is a lot of times I'm travelling around the world by myself. Do you like travelling? I do now. Yeah, look, at the beginning I was kind of a bit, over, you know, you do against get over it. it. <laughs> but then um, – now I, I kind of just enjoy the challenge of what I'm going for, what I'm going to achieve. And it's been uh, – I've been a speaker at a lot of events and, you know, conferences, beauty exhibitions, doing a lot of demos on stage or doing seminars, you know, those sorts of things. 
And, you know, so it's a bit of a challenge. When I'm going, I'm not usually going for that long. You know, I'm flying in, doing the gig. Uh, we'll have meetings, whatnot, and then it'll be coming home as soon as I can. So it's pretty much nonstop the whole time. Uh, but it's whenever I'm somewhere, if I haven't been there before, you know, I'll, I'll try stay for a day to just kind of have a look around because obviously it's great to be able to have that experience, yeah, you know, to see where you are and get a bit of a grip on the world. Because otherwise it's flying in, staying in a hotel, going to the event, getting in a hotel, getting back in a taxi, going back in an aeroplane. Yep. And, and it's not like you're sort of yeah. doing anything. You know? And that was your weekend. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and then you go to the next country or the next place. Yeah. So what, um, you say you're in 60 countries. Yeah, What's that's the most right. bizarre country you're in? Oh, well, I don't know. Well, bizarre, bizarre. is probably the wrong I mean, word. But yeah, well, we're in the Caribbean. Nice. Which is nice, but I, ha I haven't been there recently. It's a be <laughs> been to beautiful Mexico. part of the world. <laughs> oh, I've been to Mexico a few times and sort of been on the edge of the Caribbean, but haven't, you know, gone out to all of those areas. But that's one, uh, you know, we've got a, a distributor there called Elibana Caribbean and, and uh, I'm sort of like, oh. One day we have to go there. That's going to be so I don't good. think your wife will let you do that one on your own. <laughs> yeah, I think she's coming to that one. In fact, she might just go herself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Hopefully yeah. I'm invited. But, um, yeah, we're in Iceland, you wow. know, which is right up the top of the world. Have you been there? Haven't been there yet. Amazing no. place. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's just like the end of the world. It really is. It's really bizarre. And then you go in like the uh, – the heated pools and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty an amazing place. It looks incredible. It's all volcanic. Yeah, right, hundred percent. And mm. it's uh, and the people are so lovely. It's yeah. uh, it's amazing. We uh, I used to live in London, so we used to do trips oh, all around nice. Europe. And uh, yeah, Iceland's one of those places we went to that just sticks in your brain forever. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's I don't know about any other like we're, we're in Europe, all through Europe, the USA, Latin America, South America. Uh, Australia, Asia, New Zealand, uh, Middle East, you know, so a lot of those countries. Uh, I really liked Beirut uh, in Lebanon. That was a excellent trip. I, I mean, when we went over there to train our team there, I, I was a little concerned because, you know, the place has been um, in a, a war, war zone, years, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when we arrived, <laughs> the people we work with there, they were like uh, – we will have people come and collect you from your plane to, you know, take you through customs and all this sort of stuff. So when we arrived, I, I went with one of my trainers and we had the army arrive <laughs> and pick us up from this plane. And I had these two guys, you know, in the blue camo suits and boots and everything. They're like, come with me, sir. And, you know, <laughs> we went through the diplomatic entry and all this sort of stuff. And we actually got in a little bit of trouble there. I won't say it on this live, but <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was an interesting experience. But I tell you what, it's uh, actually the people there were beautiful. Uh, they they are lovely and they're great hosts and, you know, really good class there. And it, it was a great experience. So where was the first sort of – do you call them franchisees or partners or what do you call the um, the people in the different countries? Well, How is the structure our, set up? Yeah, they're really our distributors. Distributors, so, yeah, okay. So we, we make our products here and we write our training programs and there's a particular way to use our products. Yep. So the distributors will take our products and then they will take our training programs and they will teach salons and, you know, sub-distributors in how to use the products. Okay. And so when you say distributors, so is it like a network marketing or is it like more of a um, sort of they, they just buy all their product in and then resell? 
Yeah, they pretty much buy the product in, you know, so they'll just order with us. They'll stock up on what they need and they'll project for sales and then they'll go out and they'll they'll manage their countries you know they'll they'll be on the ground there they'll do shows or they'll do classes and they'll they'll sell the products and teach salons there how to and, use it and he's a director consumer or you go through um big 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 um like maya and those sort of places or is it more direct to consumer it, it's actually more to businesses so we supply Salons. Oh, the salons. Yeah, because okay. it's a it's a professional. Yeah, it's a professional use only product oh, okay. that we produce. We do have a few retail products now. We're making you know some great mascara products and uh, eyebrow pencils. You know some cosmetics that we're starting to go into now that complement the treatments that you know we we provide. But um, yeah, generally it's professional use only products that we specialize in. And so, so B2B makes it a lot easier as well from the point of view you're actually de- dealing with professionals. And then obviously you're, you're then educating them. Are you doing a lot online at the moment or how are you doing that at the moment? Yeah, well, we do online and we that's obviously a big thing that we have to do right now because we can't travel. Usually I'm flying into each country and I'm, I do symposiums. So we started a... A thing, an annual thing that we do in Europe and America each year where we go over and we do an event where we get all our trainers to come in across the country or the area and we do a three-day event where we uh, cover all the new training updates yep. for the year. It's like a big conference, I guess, we put on for our team and then we, you know, have a, a bit of fun as well, you know. Yep. Uh, it's just an opportunity for all of our team to get together and it's been incredible. Uh, so we do that, but then, you know, we do online updates, you know, we'll do the Zoom webinars with our team and those sorts of things as well, just to, just to update them on new systems. Cause you've got to keep evolving. The beauty industry is moving really fast, even though things are recycling in the industry. Uh, you know, some of the treatments, you know, sometimes just have a new spin on them, but you need to be constantly moving. So do you need to be first to market or best to market? I think best. Yep. I mean, first to market is always an advantage. It's always an advantage, but we've brought out products before where we haven't been the first and we have a good reputation in okay. the industry and that is everything. You know, I mean, you've got to have a great product. It's got to stand up. You've got to get the price right. You don't have to be the cheapest. You know, if you're the most expensive, well, that can be a disadvantage, but Really, it just comes down to, you know, consistency, great product, great service, you know, and rolling that out in a really good way. And then people will work with you. You know, if you can provide that package and get to enough people, you know, people want to try new things a lot of the time. Yeah, that's, that's the key to any business though, isn't it? It's all about product, people and process. Yeah. And as long as you're the, the, the winner in all three, you, yeah. you're not going to lose. That's exactly right, you know, and there's a lot of great, people out there these days like the information that we have now to learn how to market your products on social media like I don't know how many times I go through my feed and there's like 20 different people I can learn from on how to sell my products on social media now Uh, and you know we have all the tools there but what makes you different from uh, the guy down the street you know uh, you're both selling the same sort of product does the same sort of thing it's the same sort of price what are you going to do that's really going to stand out? And I guess it's you. You know, at the end of the day, you are the different thing and uh, you have to put your personality into it. You have to bring something that's you to the table 
And, and that's been one of my biggest strengths is building those relationships with people because they like to deal with me, what I bring to the table, my ethics, my um, uh, support, you know, that I'll have with my team and be there to listen, be there to keep pushing and be consistent with offering really good service because all too often in this automated world, it's really easy to lose that connection, I think, as well. You've got the connection, but do you have the personal connection? You know what I mean? There's... 100%, mate. We teach mm. all our guys. The most important thing is the hug. Whether the it's, hug. Whether it's virtual, <laughs> whether it's physical, obviously you can't do that anymore. But but it's all about that hug. It's, it's making the customer feel that, oh, okay, they're actually here. They're with me. They're here to help me. And I think that's uh, that's something just meeting you for the first time today is you bring that to the to the party because – it's uh, it's the enthusiasm. It's it's the sort of the happiness, and that's what people want to see. It's it's hugely infectious. It's like when you walk down the street, and if somebody smiles at you, you tend to want to smile back, yeah, right? Yeah. But if they've got a or grumpy they go, face, what's wrong? <laughs> oh, they go, that's what most wrong? people do. Like, yeah. oh. Why is he <laughs> so happy? <laughs> Why is he smiling? At yeah. me? Can you can you pick your product on someone walking down the street? Oh, that is difficult, but I think. I mean, I can tell when somebody's had a lash lift, but it's very difficult to, you know, know it's exactly our product. I mean, uh, you know, and lash extensions as well. They all look very similar. So it's it's too hard to tell yeah. really by eye on the street. But you can certainly say they've had that treatment. And are you a lash expert as in putting it on like a, an app? Applicator. That's the word I'm after, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. well, uh, I did it. I did eyelash extensions. I learned 10 years ago how to do it, and I did a lot of clients and models over the years, and then I went into the teaching side of it, uh, lash lifting. You know, I've done literally, I don't know, hundreds, thousands of so people. So when you, when you display your product and you go to the symposiums, you're the one mm. up the front actually teaching the people how to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm the That's guy on stage doing the applications. And uh, I think that's been a big part of my success is because there isn't too many guys out there in the lash world. I mean, the hair game, you see guys on stage all the time. Yeah. But in the lash world, uh, it was um, – there was only a couple of guys and there still kind of is only a few guys. Better not give away my secrets here. Don't get any <laughs> ideas, guys. <laughs> but uh, And it's all full. Yeah. There's no more guys allowed. This <laughs> <It's>, is... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay. Uh, look, yeah, no, the next generation's coming through. You know, now these days I spend more time educating rather than doing too many applications. I think we all go through our journey, you know, through business. I started off as the technician. I moved to the educator. Uh, I do cosmetic formulation as well. I'm a cosmetic chemist, so I make products as well. Yep. So that is my passion and my direction now is moving into that production level. So there's a few things I always like to ask towards the end of our podcast. What's your greatest achievement in life? Oh, wow. Well, I think, you know, my kids and my wife, you know, the family to me is everything, uh, you know, they, they are there for you at the end of the day. They're the people that count. They're the ones that are going to be there for me. You know, uh, I think that is my biggest achievement. I mean, business is great. It's such a, you know, great thing to have a successful business and it's hard to make that happen. So it's always a good achievement. You can pat yourself on the back or you can say, yeah, I've done that. But, you know, family and my kids is nothing better. Is nothing better. Indeed. 
Is there a person or specific people who had the biggest influence on your career? <laughs> well, yeah, look, I, I always thank my mother uh, for getting me into this industry. I mean, I do have to give it all to her as far as introducing me to the industry. She was very influential. I was running around at beauty school when I was growing up, seeing all these teachers everywhere, and I'd be, you know, in on the conversations and just seeing what was happening there. So it was just really influential for me to be growing up, you know, and being exposed to all of that. So as far as my career is concerned, I think, you know, she's been a big part of the success. My wife has definitely helped motivate me a lot as well now. But all the people I work with now, I'm just very, very lucky. I've got so much inspiration around me with all these people we work with, our trainers, educators and distributors around the world. They're so talented. They all uh, keep me going. So building the following that you've got, do you now get ident like no um, noticed, or when you're walking through the street, do people say, "Oh, that's the Lash Lord"? <laughs> <laughs> I think they do in the industry. Yep. I mean, not <laughs> you know, it's still kind of an unknown industry to the general public. Like I'll still say to you, you know, this is what I do, and you'll be like, "What? There's what do you do? You make <laughs> lash lift? What's that?" You know, so it's it's. Um, only really well known to the beauty industry yeah. and, you know, women that go and have those treatments. But, you know, in the industry, when I go to the events, I'm certainly known there um, and I, I get to work with some of the best, most high profile people in that industry. Which is pretty cool, isn't it? It's, it's not bad. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm pretty lucky. Really happy. Okay, some quick fire questions. Ready? Favourite food? Mexican. Favorite song? Oh man, that's so hard. But uh, it's probably going to be a Jamira Choir track, maybe Scam. Oh, what a great song! <laughs> Favorite place in the world? Favorite place in the world? Oh, could be Hawaii or maybe even just simple old Fiji, but Mexico. Mm, it's a tough one. Somewhere tropical. What's the best Mexican food you had? <laughs> oh, that stuff. It's probably the Mexican dip my wife makes. Is it a seven-layer dip? It's a seven-layer yeah, dip. My wife like makes that. a great seven-layer oh, dip. You just can't go past it. Like you feel it's got everything. It's the it taste is, sensation. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's Mexico in a dish right there. Okay, and what's next for Automita? Well, next it's going to be getting on a plane again soon, going to the USA. I'm setting up a new company there at the moment, and uh, we're making some big changes over there at the moment. So I'm booked for some events there, but everything's been on hold. I'm booked for an event in Brazil, but I was just listening on the yeah, radio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've had 300,000 cases or something today. Yes. Uh, so I don't think I'll be going there in a hurry. It was... Um, you know, in September. But, yeah, Miami, part of a big event in Miami that's happening there, but we're doing a lot of touring through the States. Um, and, yeah, a lot of things on the cards for the company, new products coming. You know, it's going to be a big year ahead. Any exclusives you're going to sort of drop in? Or I can't give away too many secrets with the products, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll have something to do with lashes and brows. You can count on that. Well, I had no idea what we were going to talk about today, and I'm so happy that we did because I've learnt lots. Um, the I'm just I want to actually see televised version of the Lash World Cup. I think that'd be really, really interesting. <laughs> and yeah. I, I never knew that there was this industry that's out there that's massive. And mate, congratulations on your success so far. And as far as I'm concerned, you're an awesome human. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having me. What an amazing human. 
Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you enjoy the rest of the Podfire podcast. And I really hope that you enjoyed Awesome Humans. Reach out to us on Podfire and all the social media channels, as well as BJ Macker, uh, to reach out to me personally. Have a great day.